Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Bear on Bears fans, another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast coming your way. Pat the designer, Courtney Cronin, and we are joined by a special guest on today's episode. We want to get the insight on what these draft picks are going to be. A draft episode here, and we have to bring in ESPN draft analyst and, and expert, uh, as Courtney dubs him, the hardest working man in drafting here. Jordan Reed joining the show. Jordan, how you doing, man? I'm good. It's a pleasure being here with you all, and it's the best time of the year for Chicago Bear fans. Unfortunately, we're trying to get this changed. <laughs> Imagine, like, yeah, and that's like, but like, you say the best time of the year for Bears fans. I don't know if you've heard the discourse in Chicago lately. It's very toxic. Like, yeah. I hope that you're removed from it enough that you're not like in the weeds of the Justin Fields, Caleb Williams debate. Obviously, you know all about the draft eligible quarterbacks, but my goodness, Jordan, it is the the, the stuff that Pat and I sift through every single day is it's exhausting. Like we, I'm just, I honestly kind of wish it was April. So I knew what they were going to do. Yes. Whenever you have the number one overall pick in back-to-back years, it's going to be very, very toxic. And social media, I stay away from a lot of that stuff during this time of the year because as we get closer to April, it's only going to get worse for you guys. So you're definitely in my prayers. We're only a couple months out, so it'll all be over soon. Yeah, I, I'm ready for it because it's, it's a couple times where like you got you got push the hood down a little bit. You're like, wait a minute, who are you talking to? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But uh, no, we're we're glad that you're here because you've gotten the insight on these guys. An excellent article that you have over on ESPN as well about your top 50 prospects. Let's start there, right? Who are you looking at in this draft? That to you is truly a special player with the Bears sitting number one. Of course, Caleb Williams is the name that pops up. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep it Bears centric as far as what they need. Um, At the top, I have Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver out of Ohio State. He's the best player in the draft to me. He's the best or the highest ranked wide receiver that I have graded since I've been doing this and just talking to scouts. A lot of scouts believe that he's one of the best wide receiver prospects of this century. That includes Calvin Johnson, Jamar Chase, Julio Jones, A.J. Green. The list goes on and on of some of the higher-end prospects that we have seen um, over the past 20 or 25 years. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is right in that tier. And there's going to be some debate if you take a wide receiver at number one overall. I wouldn't take him at number one overall, personally, just because of the the quarterback um, discussion, I would say, with the Chicago Bears and it being unsettled right now. But once we get to that number nine overall pick, I think that's where the wide receiver debate does start. For the Bears, you're going to hear names like Romo Dunze from Washington, then also Malik Neighbors from LSU. I'm sure you guys look at the mock drafts all over the place. There's going to be two very popular names that are attached to the Bears. But it's a really good offensive tackle class as well. We'll get into that a little bit later as far as what should happen with Braxton Jones. They took Darnell right a year ago. They got a lot of production out of him last year. So it's a heavy offensive tackle class and wide receiver class. That's really the two strongest positions and then also quarterback as well. Okay, let's talk about Caleb Williams because it's that time of the year where we're dissecting everything before the teams have actually talked to the prospects at the combine and have done, you know, their due diligence of learning the whole person behind just the film. Um, what 
from your perspective of what you've studied of Caleb Williams, what you saw in his Heisman Trophy year to what you saw this year from him or last season, his junior season, what would the Bears be getting in him if they go Caleb Williams number one overall and they move on from Justin Fields, however that works out, what are your thoughts on Caleb Williams and the ceiling for him as a pro prospect? Uh, I think Caleb can be very special. Um, I think he can be a top 10 type of quarterback or even better. Um, not saying he's going to be that walking through the door, but when you're talking about his ceiling, I definitely think he has the ceiling to eventually be a top 10 type of quarterback. He has all of the prerequisite traits that you want in the position. You see the funky arm angles that he throws from. He has the accuracy. Um, he also has the arm strength. And he's just, he's just a complete package as far as what you want from the quarterback position. Now, there is some things that he has to improve on. And the best way that I can put this is that Caleb, his heroics or what I call his Superman cape is always on. and He doesn't know when to take it off. So when you watch Caleb, it's going to be a lot of sandlot football is what I like to call it, just because his defense is giving up 35 to 40 points, excuse me, 35 to 40 plus points a game. So that Superman cape is always going to be on. So what's going to be the key for Caleb and for Shane Waldron, if they do take him with the number one overall pick, is that you're going to have to be able to rein him in and settle him down a little bit just because he doesn't know when to take it off. So he, he cannot get bored with making the easy throws. He needs to tell Caleb, like, hey, it's okay to take this first or the second option and don't pass that up for making this miraculous throws. But also, this is going to be an expression that a lot of you guys use next year. You're going to say, no, 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 good throw, Caleb. You're going to say <laughs> that a lot about him just because that's mm -hmm. basically how it is studying his film. So the big thing for Caleb is that just don't get bored with the easy, th the easy throws and then also – um, just be okay with taking some of those checkdowns. And that's something that's not mm -hmm. accustomed to Lincoln Riley's offense just because we've seen it with Jalen Hurts. We saw it with Kyler Murray and even Baker Mayfield to an extent. He just doesn't provide those outlet throws in his offense. So Caleb isn't accustomed to taking the check down or taking that fourth or fifth guy in the progression. He's always used to playing that type of hero ball. I, I wanted to follow up on that because – some of what you said triggered my memory on the discourse about Justin Fields coming out of Ohio State in 2021. What similarities are there of like the off script plays of not trying to go into hero mode 24 seven? We've seen Justin almost by default have feel that he has to do that instead of taking the easy check down instead of not trying to make something out of nothing all the time. And it felt like that was a skill that he wasn't really able to, or rather um, a trade he wasn't able to like break, a habit. Um, yeah. Do you see similarities that are more pronounced between where Justin was coming out as a pro prospect versus where Caleb is? Somewhat, but I think the difference between the two is that Caleb is already a much more polished passer than what Justin is. The big thing with Justin and what he continues to struggle with is anticipation and then also quick game throws. What you notice about Justin is that his drops are a little bit slower, delayed, um, and then he really struggles with making those anticipation throws in the shorter intermediate areas. Like you very rarely see what I call grip it and rip it throws with Justin. You very rarely see him getting the ball out quick, those quick slants, those quick hitches on the perimeter. It's more so if he has to see it um, as opposed to being able to anticipate it. And I think that's something that he still struggles with to, to this day. And it was a big knock on him coming out of Ohio State too. So you want Justin more so in an offense that attacks those intermediate and deep areas, which what they did, that's what they did against the Washington Commanders, which I thought was one of his better games of the year. They were attacking down the field, and that's that really suits Justin's strengths. But an area that he has to improve on if he wants to continue 
uh, to be a starter in the league is that he's got to get better in the underneath areas with anticipation and those gripping and ripping throws. With Caleb, we've seen him be, being able to accomplish those throws, and all that happened during his Heisman season. But last year, the defense was poor, and things just went away with USC of where he had to be in that overdrive hero mode to where he was holding the ball longer, he was taking really bad sacks, and he just didn't get the ball out on time. So the difference between the two is we've seen Caleb being able to make those anticipatory throws and being able to attack those gripping and ripping types of throws, which is where Justin has always struggled and still does to this day. The belief around Shane Waldron is that he can get the most out of his quarterback, no matter who the quarterback is. And we've kind of seen that, right? He got he got Russell Wilson to do the impossible, and that was just throw over the middle, being a 6'1 quarterback that just didn't want to do that in his time in, in Seattle. And he got the most out of Geno Smith. If he can get the most out of either one of these guys, where do you see the ceiling being higher, being between Justin Fields or Caleb Williams? I think that's the big debate between the two right now. And what Ryan Post has to decide is, are you going to be more committed? Are you more committed to uh, Justin Fields and really chasing what he eventually can be? Or are you chasing the ceiling of Caleb Williams? And for me, if I'm Ryan Poles, I would be more intrigued as far as the the long-term stability and sustainability of the team with chasing the ceiling of Caleb Williams. But that's just me. That's the decision that I think it really comes down to. And then also Ryan Poles has to discuss – are you willing to give Justin Fields a Daniel Jones type of contract just because they have to make a decision with the fifth year option coming up. And then also I think a baseline contract that Justin and his representatives are going to come to Ryan Poles with is the Daniel Jones type of contract, which was, I believe four years, $160 million. So are you comfortable with paying Justin Fields that type of money? And right now I just wouldn't be comfortable with that. So one of the scenarios that we talked with Ryan Poles about at the season ending press conference, because he, you know, in, in, trying to keep all of his options open, he went through a couple different routes that the team could go, which one is taking a quarterback but not taking one at number one overall. And we know that there's the idea that they would take quote-unquote historic draft compensation to get the Bears to move out of number one. Let's just say they do, though. Where do you see them like still being able to take a quarterback? The idea of trading back from one but still getting one of the top QBs and seems like the draft order is changing a little bit, whether Jaden Daniels is the consensus number two quarterback, whether it's Drake May. How could they go about still getting a quarterback in 2024 in the draft, but moving out of number one to do so? Well, if you're going to do that, of course, it comes with a lot of risks. And then also, you can't trade further down than number Mm -hmm. three overall, just because I think we're going to get quarterbacks one, two, and three in some form or fashion, whether that's the Patriots at three or them trading out and another team like the Falcons, the Vikings, the Raiders, or the Broncos coming up to get that third quarterback, whoever it is. So if they do end up deciding to go that route, which wouldn't be very wise in my opinion, they cannot trade further down than the number three overall pick just because we're going to get quarterbacks back-to-back-to-back at the top of the draft. How far is the gap for you, right? When I I look at Caleb Williams, to me – He is the clear-cut number one quarterback in this draft. But then I look at Drake May, and it's not to say I think that he's a far number two, but it definitely seems like he is behind Caleb Williams in a lot of traits and just competition-wise, right, the teams that he was going up against. How far is the gap for you between that first quarterback and then two and three? And three right now, I'd say, is probably Jaden Daniels at this point. Yes, yeah, so I still have Caleb in his own tier just because when you talk about the peak of his ceiling and you're going to hear the name Patrick Mahomes a lot attached with him. I don't like comparing 
anybody than Mahomes just because he's a guy I on a goat him, level. Yeah, <laughs> he's an alien. I call him an alien. <laughs> he's just an alien to me, something that, that we haven't seen since Brady and Peyton Manning and all those guys. So I don't like making the Mahomes comparison. But at his peak, I think he can be even better than what Kyler Murray was uh, when he was playing well, if you're looking for a comparison uh, for what he could be. And I, I think he's an even better prospect than what Kyler Murray was coming out, in my opinion, as far as just from a passing standpoint so if you're comfortable with chasing the ceiling of Caleb Williams which I would be fine with doing uh, I think he's just on a different tier than those other two guys right now and I have Jaden Daniels and Drake May both in my top five prospects so we're splitting hairs with all three of these guys but if you're breaking them down into tiers I still think Caleb is in a tier of his own so we know the Bears have number one overall and they have number nine. Um, let's talk about those receivers that you brought up earlier. And I remember your mock draft from the first one that you did that came out in January. Those names that you mentioned were all off the board by six to the New York Giants, whether it was Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors. How should the Bears go about what they do with that second first round pick if receivers the option but the top tier guys go one two three in the you know early part of the first round after the quarterbacks so if marvin is off the board neighbors and adunze are gone as well i think you have to entertain a trade down um and we saw them do that last year even though it was one spot back i think ryan poles just like having that flexibility in the draft especially with that that um, second first round pick this year There's so many different ways that they could go, honestly, just because, excuse me, my voice is going out. Um, But there's so many different ways that you could go with that second first round pick. You could go um, offensive tackle. You could go tight end. We'll get to that a little bit later. And then also you could go wide receiver. So that second tier of wide receiver, I think you'd be more comfortable trading back into that 15 to 20 area. Now you're talking about Adnay Mitchell of Texas, Brian Thomas Jr. of LSU, Keon Coleman of Florida State. Now you're getting into those types of names. But at nine overall, that is a little bit too early for any of those names. Um, So I will look to trade back. If you're you brought up the tight end position, right? Do you feel like there's a shot that Brock Bowers is somebody is a name that falls in this draft that if he's there at nine, the Bears should take? Because I think he's a really good, really big body Bears are with Shane Waldron when he was at his best for running a lot of uh, 12 personnel, different things like that. And so that could be a name that they'd be interested in. If the wide receivers are gone, would you go tight end in that position or trade down is still your best scenario? It really just depends on and what you would have to ask Shane in the draft room is that how are you going to incorporate Brock Bowers? Are you going to really establish him as a wide receiver? Or are you going to use some more so as a tight end or a combination of both? Just because just looking at the numbers last year, I think he only used 12 personnel, like 22% out of all the formations yeah. that they used with Cole Komet already there. I don't really think there's a huge pathway or a runway to success for Brock Bowers right away as a tight end. And you just paid Komet as well. So mm-hmm. obviously he's going to be on the field a lot. So how are you going to incorporate Brock Bowers? Are we going to use him strictly as a, what I call an F tight end of where we're using him along the hip, alongside Komet? Now we're getting into a dangerous territory of the Kyle Pitts type of situation of where we're underutilizing him. So if you're going to use him more so as a receiver, I think it would be perfect. But if you're going to use him more so as an F tight end, I just don't see the reps that are going to be there for him. 
I know it was another offense ago, but I keep thinking back to when the Bears signed Trey Burton and it was supposed to be the yep. F tight end in this offense. Yeah. It never really manifested yeah. itself that way. So hopefully if they go that route, it doesn't happen like Trey that. Burton. But what I know a, I don't, oh. you didn't think I was going to bring up. That <laughs> I didn't. Today. Trey Burton was not on my bingo card today. I'm not <laughs> going to lie. Hero. Super Bowl hero, Man, Trey Burton. Um, okay. So <laughs> the strength of this draft class, as you said, wide receiver group, offensive line we know that or offensive tackle we know that they've got needs at all three like you know on maybe a tackle position on the offensive line certainly on the interior which we can get to how they address that but they also have a needed edge rusher if you're at nine and you know i know that dallas turner and there's a there's just like not a huge class at least just from what i've seen with your mock drafts of edge rusher talent that's coming off the board in round one do you think that that's something that they consider draft uh, addressing in free agency versus waiting till they get to nine to maybe see if the top guy from Alabama is there? Or could they still, would it be a smart path for them to go quarterback number one and then try to you know address their defensive end need at number nine? That's a great question, Court. And um, I think what happens in free agency, I think they're going to reveal their hand uh, as far as what their draft plans are mm-hmm. in that area, just because – if the Falcons don't take a defender or a defensive end at eight, they could have their pick of the litter at number nine overall, whether it's Leatu Latu of UCLA, Jared Verse of Florida State, and then you also mentioned Dallas Turner of Alabama. So if they go out and they sign a Daniil Hunter or a Bryce Huff in free agency, I don't think they're going to look to address it that early. They're going to more so wait till a day two or day three even to address defensive end. But if they don't address it in free agency, now I think they could end up selecting one of those guys at number nine number nine overall. So free agency is really going to tell us a lot as far as how they feel about this edge rusher class, specifically at the top. One of the main positions that the Bears are definitely going to need is at the, on that offensive line at the center position. Uh, kind of a two-parter here, but when you look at Jackson Powers, he's somebody who probably goes, I feel like, end of first round. How far down do you feel the Bears can trade back if they were to do that and still get Jackson Powers Johnson? And do you feel like he is a day one starter in the NFL? I think this is the move to circle for Ryan Poles, honestly. Um, not at nine, but trading back to that 15 to 20 range, which are where I think he's going to end up being picked, whether it's Seattle at 16 or the Dolphins at 21 or even the Cowboys at 24. I think that's where you're getting into range of where he's eventually going to be selected. So let's say the Bears trade back uh, to 14 or 15 ahead of Seattle, who has a need at center right now. I would circle the Bears as somebody that's in contention to select Jackson Powers Johnson, especially with Cody Whitehair's future being up in the air right now. We don't know if he's going to be on the roster next year. They have a huge need at center. Jackson Powers Johnson, I think he's the best interior offensive lineman. He's by far the best center in this class, in my opinion. You saw it at the senior bowl. He was terrific down there. He just has everything that you want at the position. He's still very young, six foot two, uh, right at 330 pounds. So he's a very big center. And I just think Ryan Poles being a former offensive lineman, I can just picture him in that film room while he's watching all these guys and they get to Jackson Powers Johnson and him just falling in love with him. Do you like that idea of a rookie quarterback and rookie center being on the same, I guess, like the same trajectory growing together? Because we know with Justin Fields and whether it was Lucas Patrick, Cody Whitehair, you know, any combination on the interior never seemed to click for the quarterback and center exchange like is that the right path for them to fix 
arguably their biggest need on the offensive line while, you know, helping their quarterback along with some consistency at that position? That's a great question. And just as a former quarterback, from my perspective, I think such an underrated part of having a young quarterback is having an experienced center, Mm -hmm. but also having another center that that quarterback can grow with. So just Mm -hmm. imagine um, Caleb and then also Jackson Powers Johnson learning the playbook together, growing, sharing ideas, understanding protections, understanding where my hots are, understanding where my danger zones are with these certain blitzes. So I like the idea of pairing them two together and then also bringing them in together to grow in the Shane Waldron offense. Just having a center, a very smart and savvy center um, already in place with a young quarterback. I think that's such an underrated aspect, especially when you're talking about bringing a young quarterback or even a rookie. Yeah, that's the part that kind of scares me a little bit with with right rookie quarterback, rookie center combination is I would love to see it. I think that that is a long term growth, uh, a long term path to success. But can you find a one year guy? Right. Is Evan Brown a guy this year who was in Seattle who right? He kind of just did that in Seattle. Is he going to come here and want to do that again? That's one of the parts that because that first year for a quarterback can make or break their career in the NFL. It feels like with Justin Fields, we're heading towards the other side of this uh, where he's going to have to go find his success somewhere else. That's kind of why, like, is that is that rookie combination more detrimental to the quarterback long-term? It just depends. And it really just depends on the smarts and the savvy of the center. I like the Evan Brown idea. Lloyd Pisherberry, I think, is another yeah. name that they could look into as well, just super smart and savvy types of centers. But I just love the idea of pairing two young guys together and allowing them to grow together. Um, and not saying the, the veteran route is wrong, but I just think somebody like a Jackson Powers Johnson, even a Zach Frazier uh, could be unavailable in the second or third round. Just having them grow together, I think that would be a great option. So we've seen two years now of Braxton Jones at left tackle, some up and down play, some good moments. And I think a lot of self-awareness from him about yeah. things that he struggled with, struggling with a bull rush, struggling with, you know, you know, his power that he's able to use and his strength. I mean, he's a fifth round guy. He's worked at that. But have the Bears seen enough to decide that they want to draft an offensive tackle in this draft? And Again, this is kind of a multifaceted question. How would you approach that? Like, what are the names that maybe it's at nine, um, maybe it's a little bit later on, but if they want to move on from Braxton Jones and just keep him in a swing tackle role, could you see them going after Olu Fashanu or potentially moving Darnell Wright from the right tackle spot over to left tackle. And I know that's kind of going back to last year's draft class, but like how how do you see them handling what they might perceive as one of their bigger needs of either upgrading that position via the draft or trying to like move some things around? Well, I'll just start with Darnell. And Darnell has had experience on both sides. Going back to his days at Tennessee, he did play on the left side and the right mm-hmm. side. But yeah. I'm a big proponent of keeping offensive linemen where they've had success with or success at, I should say. Darnell Wright has had success. We've seen him, what he's been able to do on the right side. So why would we force him to basically learn a new position in a new offense on the left side? Um, I'm just not a big proponent of that. So let's keep Darnell Wright on the right side. I like Braxton Jones. Like I think he's a good starter. I think he's going to continue to grow. Uh, he's going to get stronger. Then also Ryan Poles drafted this guy. Whenever somebody drafts a certain player, 
they're going to give them a bunch of chances. And yeah. whenever you can get a starter, especially offensive lineman on day three, you're going to give them a lot of chances to continue to grow. So that's not to say he's going to turn into a great starter. I just think he's going to be a good starter for them long term, especially at such an important position like a left tackle. I just think they have bigger needs, especially along the interior, specifically at center. And then also let's load up on defense as well. We can use number nine on the defensive end, or also um, we could trade back and keep our flexibility to address that interior spot or even wide receiver. So, I, I think they're going to continue to give Braxton Jones opportunities to grow at that left tackle spot, keep Darnell right at right tackle, and let's address some of these interior spots. The one spot for me, I think that, like you said, the interior spots, right, that, that really stands out, the linchpin of this uh, 4-3 defense is that three-technique spot. Who's the guy that you're eyeing right now that, Yes, the Bears got Javon Dexter last year, but maybe, listen, Javon's nice, but if you got a chance at it, you have to take this guy. Well, once again, it's not a very strong interior defensive line class. There's only two guys that I see as potential first-rounders right now, and that's Byron Murphy, the second from Texas, and then also Jerzon Newton from Illinois. I'm a big fan of Newton. Um, He reminds me a lot of Grady Jarrett when he was coming out of Clemson. Um, He is a little bit undersized, though. He's about 6'2". We'll see what he weighs at at the combine. I believe they list him right at 300 pounds on Illinois' roster, so that'll be something to watch. He does have really short arms, so that's going to be the big debate about him. But we saw a guy like Kalaja Kansi go in the top 20 last year. He went on to have a really good rookie season. So Jerzon Newton and also Byron Murphy the second are two names to watch if they want to trade back a little bit down from nine. So you are a couple weeks removed from being at the Senior Bowl. And before we get your take on your, like some of your favorite prospects from that, I wanted to ask about J.J. McCarthy because since it is mock draft season and since the quarterback order, at least from what we've seen so far, seems to have changed, whether it's Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, like the top of the draft order, I'm sure that we'll see a little bit of jockeying of positioning between two and three. But yesterday, I believe I saw someone say that they didn't think J.J. McCarthy would be there after like 13 or 14. Is he a first round quarterback talent? Like where do you have him going and what do you make of the conversation around the Michigan quarterback from going from like day two prospect to potentially like gone by the middle of the first round? You know, of course it's funny seeing all this stuff play out just because when JJ declared, I tweeted out and I'm not a huge social media guy. Um, when JJ declared, I said, he's going to end up being a first round pick. And everybody was like, no way. There's no way this guy's going to go in the first round. So now, ever since he's declared, you see him go from bottom of the first round to top 20. Now you're seeing him creep up into the top 15. And I think even exiting the combine, I think you're going to now see him inside of the top 12. And I had him, I believe, um, number 12 overall to Denver in my mock draft back in early January. Um, So that stretch from 11 to 13, I think that's the sweet spot for him, Minnesota, Um, Denver and then also Vegas I think that's where we see him end up going and what I wrote about JJ in my notes is that NFL coaches love the thrill of the unknown with quarterbacks what I mean by the thrill of the unknown is that they feel as if these quarterbacks always have some potential to uncover Mm -hmm. what do we always say with JJ McCarthy he's in that heavy Michigan run game offense they didn't allow him to do a whole bunch but when we when they did allow him to throw he's making some big time throws and oh yeah he's also one in Every big moment imaginable in college, he's, what, 27-1 and as a starter. But 
in those 28 career starts, he's only thrown 25 plus passes in 12 of them. So that just goes to show you that he didn't have a lot of responsibilities in that offense outside of third down um, and then making some crucial runs here and there. But imagine what he would be able to do once we put a little bit more on his plate. So that thrill of the unknown and these coaches always feeling as if they have these secret ingredients to uncover the next layers of the next stages of the development of J.J. McCarthy. I think somebody's going to fall in love with him in that top 13 range. It, it it always right. Everybody's just thinking Brady now, right? It's just like, how did we not evaluate Brady at yeah. all? Like every so, like Michigan <laughs> quarterbacks always get that. Like, is he maybe? Maybe. I mean, nice, nice size, nice hands. When you need him to make a play, he can make a play. He feels like a Sean Payton pick, absolutely yeah. to me. Um, let me ask you this though, about more so about the GM spot, right? Since you've been evaluating drafts, since you've been looking at the draft and things like that. How would you rate Ryan Pohl's job at setting himself up in this multiple draft? Because the part that I am just fascinated by with what the Bears' opportunities are in two years is that we're talking about a hundred different options that all feel like they could work for the Bears in some way, shape, or form. How would you evaluate the job that Ryan Poles has done setting this Bears team up? I think he's done great. Like, he hasn't made a whole bunch of moves that I call boneheaded or anything like that. And Chase what I always agree on. <laughs> we'll just call it Chase Claypool. Besides that one. Besides <laughs> that one. That was the only one that I disagree with. But besides Chase Claypool, um, we all called that one at the time. That he gave up a little bit of conversation for that one. But outside of that one, um, I think he's done a really good job. Just because what you always want as a GM is flexibility. He has a ton of draft picks. He's going to get more. I think they're eventually going to get some type of compensation for Justin Fields. We can argue all day long about what it's going to be. But somebody's going to trade for Justin Fields if they do decide to end up trading him. He has the flexibility at number nine overall um, to where he can trade back. He can take a wide receiver if one is on the board. He can go defensive end. And then, oh, yeah, I have another decision to make just because I have the number one overall pick once again. So having a guy like Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels, wherever they decide to take with the number one overall pick, I think this team is set up to succeed in the long run. And the NFC North is slowly getting better. Detroit has finally figured it out. They were just in the NFC title game. Minnesota is going to get a quarterback one way or the other, whatever they decide to do with Kirk Cousins. Um, and then also um, there's some other teams. Green Bay has figured it out as well. I can't believe I forgot Green Bay. Green Bay started to figure things out as well with George Love, who's coming along. So the NFC North is getting very competitive, but also the quarterback play is slowly getting better as well. So, you can't take a knife to a gunfight. You have to have this quarterback that has that firepower to match these quarterbacks in the NFC North. A Caleb Williams, a Drake May, or Jay Daniels gives you t- that type of firepower um, to bring a gun to a gunfight. The Bears had a pretty good representation down at Senior Bowl. I know Kerry Joseph, new quarterbacks coach, was there. Um, you know, new pieces of the offensive staff as they were trying to like finalize that group. But they got to look at some of the prospects. Ryan Poles and his rep and his crew were all down there. Same time that you were. Who did you come away with? really liking like who made the biggest jump for you that week that could potentially fall into the bears draft plans outside of the first round um that's a good question um adisa isaac is one name that i would keep an eye on if they do end up getting some type of day two uh, second round compensation Mm -hmm. justin fields he's one name that i think is going to be really appealing to them uh, just because he brings that little bit of a change up than what montez sweat is He's about six foot five, 250 pounds, 
very, very athletic. It wouldn't surprise me if he ends up testing in the high four fours or low four fives, just because Penn State has freaks every year. I don't know what they do in their strength <laughs> and conditioning program, but they're producing freaks um, in that strength and conditioning program every single year. So Adisa Isaac is definitely one name, and two other players we've already talked about: Jackson Powers Johnson. He was terrific, and then also Layatu Latu who ended up practicing the first two days. Uh, I think he would be a great selection for them. At number nine overall, depending on what happens with the medicals, he does have a next situation that happened uh, early on in his career when he was at Washington prior to transferring to UCLA. Every single draft has that guy where you look back and you just go, what the heck were we looking at? How did we miss this talent in the draft? Who's your sleeper this year? Who's the guy that you saw that you were like, listen, he may not climb up draft boards, but at the NFL, he's going to be a dog. Oh, man. There's so many in this draft class. There's plenty of wide receivers. Um, Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky is one that I like quite a bit. He reminds you a lot of Debo Samuel when he was coming out of South Carolina. Just a strong, tough build type of wide receiver. I think he had 950 receiving yards last year, and then over 600 came on yards after the catch. So I think he would be a really good addition um, if the Bears end up do getting some more second round, uh, or excuse me, day two conversation, especially mm-hmm. if they get a pick in the second round. I definitely think he could be one name that they target. Yeah, they don't have one currently for anybody who forgot that was what was traded to Washington in exchange for Montez Sweat. But we do know that Poles has a penchant for drafting back, for trading back, and obviously for garnering compensation. So as it stands right now, one, nine, and then the gap from nine to 75. Then they got two fourth rounders, a fifth rounder. And we'll figure out like in the coming weeks with like the comp picks, everything else that they have um, on their plate in 2024. Outside of the first round, we can just go positions here. Like how should they and what should they be looking for? Like 75 and then into early day three in that fourth round. Like what positions do you think will be most um, most prevalent, I guess, at that point? Like, what should they be looking to target uh, late second round, early, uh, late third round, and then early into uh, day three? Well, I think if they're going to look for a center, if they don't go with Jackson Powers Johnson in the first round, I think that third round could really be the sweet spot if they do want to end up taking one, whether it's Zach Frazier or West Virginia. But one name I think Ryan Poles is going to like quite a bit with one of those fourth round picks is Cedric Van Pran from Georgia. Mm. Um, supreme leader finished his career with 44 consecutive starts so he has the strength that you're looking for at the position isn't an overly great athlete but he's very strong at the point of attack and then something that's been really a correlation as far as some of the offensive linemen that Ryan Poles has liked is this just their strength at the point of attack so Cedric Van Pran definitely does bring that to the table backup tight end they could look for something uh, in that fourth round range whether it's a Darlin Hoker from Colorado State, um, Callum McCastles from Tennessee. Uh, there's a host of other names. Theo Johnson is somebody that they could look to target from Penn State uh, with that number 70, uh, 75th overall pick, excuse me, in the third round. So backup tight end, uh, safety, depending on what happens mm-hmm. with Eddie Jackson. Uh, he may not be on the roster yeah. next year. So somebody like Javon Bullard from Georgia, Kalen Bullock from USC um, are some names that they could look to add as well. Yeah, you 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 took the words right out of my mouth with the safety position, right? Because that's one that to me is going to be the biggest question mark heading into next season. Is there one that you feel is, I guess in the later rounds, is of the ilk that I don't need to go out and get a veteran right away. I can put you in there and let you learn on the fly, very similar to what we did with Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, guys like that. 
Or do you feel like the Bears are going to need to look in free agency this year at that safety position to address that for maybe a season or two and let a young player develop? It really just depends on what Eberflus wants. Does he want a veteran to replace Jackson or is he going to trust a rookie to step in just because uh, Jackson was very productive early on in his career? You know, things haven't worked out as you had hoped over the past few years, but he has been a productive player, especially early on in his career. So it is a big role in Eberflus's defense. And I think having that versatility is something that is going to be very required of that safety spot. So they're going to have to find somebody that can be a true traditional free safety, but also come down and be a very reliable tackler as well. So, and there's plenty of safeties in this class that they could look to satisfy that, but it is not a great safety class, uh, mm-hmm. especially at the top. I don't think we're going to see one go inside of the top 50, honestly. Uh, Cameron Kitchens of Miami, and then also Tyler Newbin, um, who are my top two safeties right now, are two names that you're going to see projected. Um, in that second round, uh, mid to late second round range right now, but it is not an overall great safety class. So if I had to guess, they probably would look to go with the cheap veteran right there. Ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Reed, appreciate you for joining the podcast. Appreciate you rocking with us on this. Make sure that you guys check out his article over on ESPN+. Plus. He's got his 2024 NFL draft rankings top. 50 prospects out right now. So when you hear me sounding very smart and intelligent on the podcast, it's because I read the article. Just know that. Uh, Jordan, let the people know where they can find you. Let the people know what you got coming up, man. So you can find me on X. I'm still used trying to get used to calling it that. Just call it Twitter, Jordan. dog. That's what we're doing <laughs> yeah, that. I don't think any Chicago, of us have gotten still used to that tower. yet. We're not changing it. <laughs> okay. So you can find me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed. That's J-O-R-D-A-N underscore R-E-I-D. Then also you can find my work on ESPN Plus alongside my colleagues, Phil Gates, Matt Miller, and also the great Mel Kuyper Jr. as well. We have plenty of combine content that is going to come out. We have a big buzz file as far as some of the stuff that we're hearing. There's, there's going to be some Caleb Williams stuff in there. There's going to be some Ryan Poles and Chicago Bears stuff in there as well. So make sure to be on the lookout for that. Yeah, I, when when I uh, went over to your Twitter page, I saw the the big smile with you and Mel. And the first thing I noticed is he's got the big book down here. What's in the book? What's going on in the book that Mel's got in his hand in the picture? Like that's where all the information is. I need that's that. That's where book. all the secret stuff is, man. <laughs> the background information, the testing numbers, and all the stuff that we're hearing. That's the that's the secret book that all of us get right before the draft. That's that you black can't book. lose that. You got to make oh, sure no, that you have that all. under lock and key. <laughs> Appreciate you tuning in, Jordan. As always, for Courtney Cronin, I'm Pat the Designer. Make sure you guys hit that like button, subscribe to the page, and leave that five-star review. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Big Bear Don, and let's hope we get this one right. Peace.